Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you here. Happy 4th of July. Good to see you all here today. And those of you who are online, I'm Blake. Um, I'm the church planter at residence here at City on a Hill. We're planting Redemption Church in Monroe, Wisconsin. Woohoo, go cheesemakers. Uh, so uh, really excited, really excited to do that. And I love that hymn, by the way. Uh, if you guys, uh, you know, the... The Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing is probably my favorite hymn. I love that hymn. You guys know the story to that song? The uh, story, the, the writer of that hymn actually uh, fell away from his relationship with Jesus, actually turned his back on, on, on Christ and was walking away from him and uh, was living a life n- not honoring God. And after he wrote this hymn, and, uh, and I'm saying this off the cuff, by the way, because I didn't know I, exa- that this was going to be what we were going to sing today, but it, it goes right along with what we're going to talk about. And he was in a carriage. This is back in the day. Uh, he was in a carriage around London. And uh, sometimes in those times, that was like their public transportation. You know, other people would jump in the carriage and jump along with you and all that. And so he's sitting there by himself, and a woman gets in to the carriage. And so she's sitting across from him. And, and he's just sitting there looking out the window, and he knows she's reading a book. And so out of the middle of nowhere, she just looks up at him and says, I want to read this to you. And she reads back to him the verse that we just sang. My heart, um, seal my heart for thy courts above. Um, my heart, I, I'm prone to wonder, Lord. I'm prone to leave the God I love. She starts reading this back to him, and he breaks down, just breaks down, like I'm kind of breaking down. And so she reads this back, and she goes, what do you think about that? And he's, just, he's crying, and she's like, what's going on? And he goes, I wrote that hymn. And he takes, from that moment on, he starts to share just how far he felt from God, how broken his life was, how broken his heart was. And she got to minister to him. And that was a turning point for him to come back to Christ. It's beautiful, beautiful um, story of God's grace. Here's a man who was touched by the Spirit of God to pen a great hymn, yet fell far away from him. And then God used his work in his life, that, that hymn that we just sang about to bring him back. Man, our God is a wondrous God. A great, gracious, amazing God. A God who doesn't leave us to wonder, even though we're prone to do that. It's our nature. We're prone to see other shiny things, other things happening in our lives, and we run in this direction, or we get... We get bogged down in the day-to-day in what we see in front of us and we lose sight of the God we love. Today, we're going to be reading and we're going to be in part three of Promises and we're going to be in Psalm 23. And this psalm is, it's, it's one of the well, probably even if you've never really thought or read formally Psalm 23, you've heard it in some way. It's a psalm that is usually written or usually spoken at funerals. It's usually spoken at the, uh, the side of someone's deathbed because it has a very, 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 very well-known verse. And that's verse four, which says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But this psalm is way far away from just talking about the shadow of death. 
in the valley of the shadow of death. That's just, that's just one piece into this psalm, and really this psalm is about God as our shepherd. And that's how it starts, by the way. It starts in verse 1. If, you're, if you've turned to it, I'm speaking out of the English Standard Version. Uh, if you don't have your Bible with you, if you don't have your smartphone or your tablet, you don't read off the Bible that way, that's fine. I'm not doing that either. Uh, but you can reach in front of you if you're here today and grab the Bible in front of you. And if you don't have a Bible, that's our gift to you. But Psalm 23, verse 1 says this, The Lord, Yahweh, it's all in capital. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The big promise today is the Lord is our shepherd. God is my shepherd. He is your shepherd. And what's amazing about God being our shepherd is being a shepherd in David's day. This is written by King David, by the way. A shepherd in King David's day or even in Jesus' day is a lot different than what I would imagine a shepherd to be now. Now, I grew up on a cattle farm. I grew up in rural central Illinois, and we, we didn't do what they, these folks did. Like, when, when we would lead our cows to, like, we're leading them to the barn. Snow's coming. We got to get them to the barn. We would push them. We would be behind them, and we would push them to the barn. You know, we would bang on buckets. We'd had our sticks. If we had to even twist the tail of a stubborn cow, you know, if you ever had to do that before, uh, you just don't stand directly behind them when you do it. You'll find out why you shouldn't do that. I'll tell you, you'll get kicked. You know? So we push them. Just if you imagine a cowboy on a cattle drive, you're pushing them. That brings some advantages. One, you're doing all the work. And also, you can drive them where you want them, right? But a shepherd in Jesus' day, in King David's day, didn't do that. They led the sheep. They were out in front. The sheep were behind them. The sheep should know their voice. The sheep should know that they follow the shepherd. And then when the shepherd would get to the desired destination, he would look back and see where his sheep are at. Are they with him? One's lost. I'm going to go find them. You remember Jesus talking about leaving the 99 for the one. Shepherds were the leaders. They were out in front. So what's amazing about this is that David was a shepherd. So as he's telling us the very first verse, and he has tremendous credibility of what a shepherd does, this is what he says. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. See, when the Lord is your shepherd, because God is my shepherd, I can see his care in every, every way and every day, no matter the circumstance. He is in front of me. I follow him. And there's two aspects to this care that we see from the shepherd. And David understood this and he puts God in this context of this is his characteristic, that he's a caring God. He's a God that shepherds. He's a God that, he's a God that protects us. He's the God that is with us. So these two aspects of that shepherding is this. First, he leads us. It's like I said, shepherds in David's day led. They weren't behind the sheep. They weren't pushing the sheep. They were leading the sheep. 
Verse one through four tells us about this. So the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You can know I, I actually memorize this in the King James because even though it doesn't say shall, it says I will fear no evil, I still say shall. Yeah, I shall fear no evil. What's amazing about this, this passage, it shows this characteristic of a God leading us, that he leads us in our lives, that he's in front of us. No matter the circumstance, no matter the danger, no matter the storm, no matter the good or the bad or the highs or the lows, he is in front of us. He doesn't waver, he doesn't leave, he doesn't decide he's gonna take a break or vacation, I'll be back next week, you know, just don't, don't get lost on the way. He is always, always in front. Like I said, I didn't grow up, uh, I grew up with cattle with us pushing them. I grew up with uh, not, not really having any sheep. But I'll tell you a story, and I don't know if you guys know this, but you are looking at the 2001 Illinois State Champion Sheep Judger. Just saying, I'm, well, that, that's true. 15-year-old Blake I won at the Illinois State Fairgrounds. RFFA went, and, uh, and I won the contest. I won the whole thing, the whole enchilada. Like, there's like 400 students there, and I won, all right? Now, I could tell you it was all the, all the times during study hall that I went into the ag room. If you guys grew up in rural context, you know what the FFA is, the Future Farmers of America, although we, we're mostly not going to be farmers. It was just kind of a nice thing we like to do. Uh, and some of us, some of us in, my, in my school were going to be farmers, but most of us weren't. Uh, but if you grew up with the FFA, you probably did some special projects or even maybe did livestock judging like I did. And, and so... What's funny is I would come in during study halls and I would watch these videos of, of animals and how to judge them. What are you looking for? And they're like, you know, uh, in between the, the uh, you know, if they were, uh, they were a cow, hook and pen, you know, and, and you learn things about, about animals that you just don't need to know, you know, in most contexts, right? And I would do that and I would spend my time and I, I would go through those. But that wasn't the reason why I won. The reason why I won actually was a fluke. I'm just going to be honest. It's, 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 on the, it's going to be on the internet. It was a fluke. Go ahead and take my ribbons. So when we got there, all the videos that we saw and that we learned how to judge sheep were, they were sheared. You know, like the cotton you have in your clothes, you know, you have to shear sheep to get that cotton. Well, the guys who put this on didn't decide to go that route. So every sheep we saw was not sheared. Well, how are you supposed to figure out what's underneath the, the wool to judge them, to see if they've got good bone structure and all this stuff that you learn that you don't really need to know? And so I'm sitting there going, what do I do? So I'll tell you my secret if you ever want to win a sheep livestock judging contest when they don't shear the sheep. Here's the secret. I placed them based off of how much manure was on their backside. That's the nice way of putting it. That was 15-year-old Blake's way of figuring it out. Really, it was me more laughing while I did it. Right? Oh, this is hilarious. My livestock coach will think I'm, you know, he'll, he'll be so mad about this. But I won. And I knew enough about it that when they brought me and the other guys who judged it right together, I was able to look at the sheep and go, well, I, I, you know, I knew the language. I knew what to say. 
And so they looked at me and they go, he actually sounds like he knows what he's talking about. So he wins. So I won the championship. I've got the ribbons. But that's all I know about sheep. That's all I know. But what's great about looking at it in this context, David knows a lot about sheep. He knows a lot about being a shepherd. And so when he thinks about his relationship with God and, and how he sees God in his life, he sees him as this shepherd out in front of his life. The shepherd that leads him so he shall not want. That makes him lie down in green pastures. That leads him beside still waters. That restores his soul. That leads him in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though he walks through the valley of the shadow of death, he should fear no evil. Why? For God is with him. His rod, his staff, comfort him. He understood the attributes of a great shepherd, and he said, this is who God is. In fact, the Lord is my shepherd is an emphatic statement. It's, there's no ideas of, hey, you know, he kind of is like a shepherd, like he's got those qualities to him. No, he's oh, he is. This is who he is. He is a shepherd. He does lead you. He does make you lie down in green pastures. He takes care of you. He is in front of you. He restores your soul. And he even leads you in the paths of righteousness. He even shows you how to live. He shows you what to do with your life, how you should build your life. He does all of this. And even when you go through the valley, even when life is hitting you in the teeth, you should fear no evil. I love this. His rod and staff comfort you. So here's what's cool about this. So here's David. He's writing this. In the beginning, he's speaking about God. First three verses. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads. He leads. He restores. He makes me lie down. But then you get to verse four, and it changes. He's no longer speaking about God. He's speaking to God. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? And he's, he's speaking to his God. He's saying, you are with me. Your, your rod, your staff comfort me. He switches here. It's not just him describing, this is my relationship with God and what God does for me. But God, this is who you are, speaking back who he is to him. This is what you do. I should fear no evil. Why? You are with me. Then this idea of rod and staff, he would understand this as a shepherd. The rod represents a short, thick weapon like a club. The staff was long, was used to, have you ever seen a shepherd's hook? That was the raw, the, the staff. It was to lead. If a, if a sheep was starting to go ahead of you, get it, in, get it out, of the, out of danger, you would kind of lead it through the rocks. So he's saying this, when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you should fear no evil, because God's club, his power, his might, is with you, and his staff will comfort you, will lead you, will help you. Here's what David's experience as a shepherd was. It's amazing. If you turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 34 through 36, he tells this story, and he's speaking to King Saul, who's the current king of Israel at that time. And this is the story of David and Goliath, King David and Goliath. This is before he was the king. This is when he was just a teenager, 
All right, and he goes to bring some food from his dad to uh, to his his brothers, his older brothers who are getting ready to fight the Philistines. And the Philistines had this great warrior named Goliath. He was uh, uber tall, like he would be the tallest guy in the NBA. Like he's just this huge giant of a man. And he would stand out and he would challenge the 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 warriors of Israel. He would challenge King Saul. He would challenge God, and all of Israel would just. Shudder and fear. They would literally quake in their boots and run away when they saw Goliath. And here comes David, the shepherd, the shepherd boy. He shows up with the food. He sees Goliath, and and he has a whole different mindset. And here's why he has a different mindset. Verse 34 through 36, he's speaking to Saul because he just told Saul, "I I want to fight Goliath. I want him. Let me have him. He says this, but David said to Saul, your servant is used to, keep the, used to keep the sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear I, and took a lamb from the, lock, I, from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it from his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, plural, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall not be like shall be like one of them, for he has defiled the armies of the living God. So here's David, a teenager, speaking to a king, saying, "I want to fight the tall guy, the big guy who's defying defying the armies of the living God. I want him. Give me have a piece of him. I'll do it." And here's the king going, "Well, what's your qualifications? Like, can you fight?" And he goes, let me tell you my qualifications, king. I'm a shepherd. I'd lead my father's sheep. When the lions take one or when the bears take one, I'm like the packers. I go and I find them and I knock them out. I'm a bears fan, by the way, but I had to say that. You know, you packers fans. But here's the thing. He says, he goes, listen, he goes, I go. It's in the Bible. I go. He goes, I go and I find them. I don't just find them. And I don't just get the lamb from their mouth. Like, I don't just like take the lamb out of their mouth. Like, what are you doing? That's mine. I don't, he, he goes, I don't just do that. But if they have the gumption, that lion has the gumption to rear up, to show his claws, to show his teeth. I grab that lion by the mane and I beat him with my staff until he dies. He goes, and when the bear does it, I do the same thing. I grab him and I beat him until they're done. A teenager. A shepherd boy who's got his rod ready to fight. So when he, as a king with armies wanting to take his kingdom, knowing that he was placed there by God as a shepherd to the people of Israel, and he looks to God and he says, you're my shepherd, I shall not want. You lead me through the valley of the shadow of death, and I fear no evil. Why? Because you are my shepherd. You will take the lion You will take the bear. You will take the devourer. You will take the one who wants to destroy me, steal from me, kill me eternally. You will take whatever comes against me and you will grab it by the mane and you will beat it down and take me back. back. Your rod, your staff comfort me. 
David speaks from experience of how amazingly powerful it is to have a shepherd who protects you, who leads you. God's leadership in your life is not just he's in front of you and you better follow him or else. God's leadership in your life is that if you don't follow him, if you become like the writer of the hymn, uh, come thou fount of every blessing, he will come and find you. He will come and deliver you. He will come and comfort you with his rod and staff. He will bring you back into the fold. He will give you that opportunity. He will speak into your life. He will rescue you from the devourer. He will, he will fight for you. That's how much he cares about you. Isn't that amazing? That's why we follow him. We listen to his voice. We're prone to wonder what sheep are prone to wonder. He will come. He will leave the 99 to find you. And this brings up the second part of this care of him as our shepherd. That is he loves us. He loves us. Verse five through six says this. You prepare a table before me. He's still speaking to God, by the way. This is a, we're, we're coming into an intimate conversation between David and God. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall, shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Here's what's amazing about this. He loves us. And the idea of shepherds back in this day or even uh, peoples back in this day were if someone, if you had someone come into your house and you were their host, you took care of them. You fed them. You protected them. They were under your roof. They were your responsibility. And that's what he says. Not only does he lead them through the valley of the shadow of death and, he, and he's with them, his rod and staff comfort him, but he also prepares a table he prepares a meal. He provides for David and even in the presence of his enemies, even in the presence of the Philistines, the Egyptians, even in the presence of those who look to kill him or, or even, even destroy the kingdom. He prepares a table before him. He loves him so much that he ensures his safety. As a good shepherd with his rod and staff comforting, he ensures David's safety, and he ensures our safety in that no one, no matter what happens in our life, no matter what the circumstance is, no matter how hard it may be, no matter what you have to go through, God is still loving, and he's still sovereign, and he's still in control, and he is with you. It can even take the horrible situation that you're in and transform it through his grace to prepare a table to allow you to grow, to allow you to see his goodness, to allow you to experience his love. Let's talk about this love for a second because it goes even beyond that. It says, you will anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. This idea in verse six that says, surely goodness and mercy could be translated also as steadfast love. Surely, steadfast, your steadfast love shall follow me all the days of my life. He anoints our head with oil and our cup overflows. He makes sure that we're taken care of. 
And not just taken care of, but he makes sure that we have all we will ever need. This isn't a cry for us to never be needy or never have moments of neediness in our lives. But this is when we are going through that neediness to remind ourselves that God is our shepherd. To remind ourselves that he is with us. To remind ourselves that he will get us through this season. To remind ourselves that when it's all said and done, no matter what, our head will, we are anointed and we are blessed because we have him. We have his steadfast love. It's an amazing idea. His steadfast love shall follow me all the days of my life. This steadfast love is a different kind of love. It isn't a touchy-feely love. It isn't a uh, let's, let's go out on, on a date type of love, right? It's not romantic. It's not even brotherly. It's, not, it's, a, it's a covenantial love. It's, I've made you a promise, and I intend to keep it. Surely the covenantial, the promised love of God shall follow you all the days of your life, shall follow me all the days of my life. Surely that will happen. And then it ends with this, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This isn't a covenantial love that's here today and gone tomorrow. It's a covenantial love, a promised love that's here today and for all of eternity. He leads us, he loves us. He shepherds us. He cares for us. Growing up with my dad and cattle, my dad is a cattle whisperer. I, I, I called him that. He's just amazing with cattle. He, he understands them in a weird way. Like, I don't get it. I didn't have that gift. And my dad saw that in me. He's like, you know, you probably should figure out something else than being a cattle farmer. Thank God that he had a different calling on my, on my life. But my dad would just care for our, our livestock. He, they weren't just dollars and cents to him. They weren't just livelihoods, our livelihood to them. They weren't just meat in a freezer. He cared for them. He would take off his coat in wintertime and wrap it around uh, a calf. He would, he would sit with, with a, a, a sick cow and, and try to figure out what kind of medicine to give her to make, it, make her okay. He would bring, we, we would bring calves into our front, our, our back porch with heaters in the dead of winter. He would cry. And I, my dad's a bit of a crier when, you know, I love him. He, he, he's a big, strong man. But he would cry when, when cows would die. They were, he was close to me, cared for them. Cared for their well-being. He even loved them to that point that he wanted them to be well, not just to provide for us, but he, he cared for them. And I would see that in him. I would see the desperation when he couldn't figure out how to make this cow well. But the difference between my dad and even David or even God is this, that God doesn't sit and wonder how you should be well. He's already made a way. He doesn't wonder how you should be healed of brokenness in your life. He's already made a way. He doesn't wonder how, what's the path of righteousness for you to be led down. He already knows the way. 
He doesn't wonder if he can defeat the enemy for you. He already has. He doesn't wonder if he's up to the task. When the lion and the bear come, he knows he's up to the task. Our God is not prone to wonder, even though we are. Our God knows what to do next. Our God knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. He was the one when there was nothing, said, let there be light, and it was. Even nothingness is under his command. Even darkness in the shadow of death is under his command. Even the lion and the bear is under his command that he can have a teenager be so bold and so in strength and empowered by the spirit of God, which I believe David was, to grab a lion by its mane and beat it to death to take away a lamb. To empower him to do that so that he can stand before Goliath and the armies of the living God and the armies of the Philistines and all the world and all of us here thousands of years later to see God's faithfulness, to see God's provision, to see God's power as this, as this boy, this shepherd boy stands before a giant and says, I will defeat you just like I defeated a lion and a bear and anything else that came against the the flock of God. Our God does not wander. Our God does not need to boast. Our God has it. He is our shepherd. We shall not want. We can lie down in green pastures. We can know he will lead us beside still waters. He will restore our souls. He will lead us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We shall fear no evil, even in the valley, because he is with us. He will protect us. He will comfort us. He will prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies even. And he will anoint us. He will bless us and keep us. His steadfast, covenantal, promised love through Christ will be with us all the days of our lives. And through Christ, through that promise, through that love, through that care, Him as our shepherd, we will be with Him and He will be with us. We can dwell with Him all the days of our life and for all of eternity. A great parallel and showing of this is in John chapter 10 where Jesus shows himself and, and refers to himself as the great shepherd, as our great shepherd. I love what he says here in verse 9 through 15. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd laid down, lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees for the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But then he comes back to this in verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for my sheep. God is my shepherd. I shall not want. Jesus, my Lord and Savior, is my good shepherd who's made a way and even lays down his life for me as one of his sheep. God wasn't prone to wonder what would bring us out of the, out of the pits of hell. 
God wasn't prone to wonder what would bring a wondering soul back to him. God wasn't prone to wonder how we can be saved. God knew it was through Jesus, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, that him as our good shepherd would lay down his life for us to defeat, to defeat our enemy, to defeat sin, to defeat death, so that we can come to him and know that he is not a hired hand, but he is the shepherd. He does lay down his life for us. Guys, if you've ever been prone to wonder, which we all have, just know that God knows that you're wondering. He knows, even though he's leading you, that you're going for the rocks instead of the still waters he wants to lead you besides. Know that in this moment, he's speaking to you through his word by his spirit and saying, come back. I'm here. Let me lead you again. If you're in here and you've never, you've been that sheep on your own, you've never followed the shepherd. Maybe you've heard of him. Maybe you've been in church before. Maybe you've been here, but you've never decided to follow him with your life. He is the good shepherd. There's no other way to know God as your shepherd, to have this right relationship, to walk the paths of righteousness, to know that he will comfort you, he will protect you, to understand this in a deep and amazing way like David, like all of us who know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, know that the only way is through him. He is the gate. He is the shepherd. Come to him. Know him. Let him Let him show his steadfast love in your life. Let him transform you through that steadfast love. Let him bring your wandering heart back to him. Wherever you're at, no matter what you're going through, I I hope you read Psalm 23 and you see the shepherd of your life who loves you, who leads you, and will always be with you for he cares for you. Will you pray with me? Father, we come before you and we thank you for this opportunity to read from your word, to hear from your spirit, to know no matter where we're at, whether we're walking in your steadfast love, seeing your leading in our life, or whether we're wandering as we're prone to do, or whether we're not even in the fold, or whether we are even in the mouth of the lions and the bears of this life. We know, we know that you are a shepherd. And we know that you are with us. And if you be for us, who could be against us? So Father, we come before you and we just pray, Lord, bring us back into the fold if we're far away. Remind us of who we are in you. For some of us, Lord, let us for the first time receive this gift, this truth, of a right relationship with you through Jesus Christ. Let us confess and believe. Let us hand over all of our sinful desires and all the things we've done that have made us us prone to wonder. Lord, for those of us who are following you, we just pray that you would just remind us of this promise. Whenever the time comes that 
we start to wonder if you are our shepherd, if you are with us, remind us that you are. Let this truth, truth, this reign and rule in our lives. That you care for us deeply. You care for us so much you sent your son to die for us, to be resurrected from the dead so that we can be dead to sin and alive in you for all of eternity, to walk in your promises, to know you personally, and to know your love and care. Father, we thank you for this great promise and we give you all the glory for it in Jesus' name.